Spectrum's brought to you by the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. Before a new idea can become a way of thinking, before one detail can flip the narrative, before anything that matters can change the world, it must, above all, be known. The duty of the Scripps College of Communication is to bring forth the people who bring forth the knowledge, by word or image or data stream and in every medium and by all means, they succeed. They say, make it loud, make it clear, make it known. Learn more at ohio.edu slash Scripps College. Welcome to Spectrum. I'm your host, Tom Hodson. On Spectrum, we cover a wide range of topics that are important to our lives. We feature journalists, authors, scholars, policymakers, activists, scientists, innovators, and sometimes people who just have fascinating stories. Today, we're talking with Hannah Good and Rachel Orr from The Washington Post about the growing trend of comic storytelling in journalism. Hannah is a journalist and comic artist, and Rachel is art director and comics editor at The Post. Hannah, tell us what comic storytelling is for people out there who don't know what it means. Yes, so comic storytelling, really similar to your Sunday funnies in the newspaper or Marvel comics or Archie comics, we take that artistic medium and we use it to tell journalistic stories. I thought comic journalism is sort of oxymoronic. <laughs> how, do you, how did those terms come together? Yeah, so comics is more of an artistic term. It just kind of refers to the medium. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's funny or, um, you know, that there are jokes involved. In fact, a lot of the stories that we do tell in comics are quite serious. Uh, what we think is that the visual graphic sensibility to it um, really lends a sense of accessibility and a sense of wonder and, and ease of access to the information that isn't always available if you're looking at a block of text, for example. Rachel, you're listed as art director and comics editor at The Washington Post. Uh, how does what you do differ from what Hannah does? So Hannah and I work very closely with one other comic editor. Um, her name is Maria Alcananda Brooks. And the three of us are responsible for all of the comics that come out of the gender and identity section at the Washington Post. So what that means is we look for artists or artists reach out to us and then we work with them to tell their stories. The specific kind of comic we do, comic storytelling we do is autobiographical comics. So it's all from their perspective about their story. That's the type of comics we do like about 90% of the time. So you have them tell you their story. Mm-hmm. And then your team illustrates it. Is that an accurate statement? Or? No, they actually do all of it. So they'll come they to do. us and pitch two to three ideas, um, something that they're working through. We um, publish a lot of comics about like mental health issues, for example, among like other topics. So they'll pitch us ideas. And then Hannah and I will go through their draft and kind of – make sure it flows right and that like a reader coming to it cold would be able to fully understand their story. 
um, edit it for Washington Post, like style, and then they go back and then they illustrate the panels that they have drafted. So they do all of it. We just kind of guide them through the process. So that's what a comics editor is. We're guiding them through from start to finish. So do they solicit you or do you solicit them or both? Both. Definitely both. Hannah and I were talking as we were preparing for our presentation, um, talking about how we find the artists. Um, Sometimes we find them on social media uh, through hashtags or just following other media outlets that publish comics. Um, Other times they'll reach out to us like cold email. We've had people just send us fully formed comics already and then we work with them to like refine their pitch. Um, yeah, we kind of find them anywhere and everywhere. I've reached out to comic artists on social media that I've admired and said, I would love to work with you. And then I've gotten some some really beautiful relationships stemming from just that. So basically just fangirling over other other comic artists. Do, so. do, do you have uh, criteria, size of comics, uh, type of ink, uh, the, those types mm-hmm. of things that you specify ahead of time? So Hannah can add anything if I leave anything out, but the way it started um, was on Instagram, um, using the Instagram slideshows. It was like the perfect medium to tell a story in 10 panels. So for the most part, we try and keep them 10 panels and under, uh, but we are starting to explore different, like more than just autobiographical comics, all kinds of comic storytelling, like comic reporting, all, all sorts of things. So I anticipate in the future we will be telling stories in more than 10 panels and not just in the Instagram format, but for the most part right now, um, every Sunday we publish a comic on our website and on our Instagram account, and it's usually 10 panels or less. Do you uh, have difficulty with quality or is the quality of the comic, uh, the illustration, something that you don't concern yourself about? So something funny about comic illustration is it can be deceptively simple. The, you know, the lines might appear crude or, uh, you know, not the most detailed illustration you've ever seen. But these comic artists have worked for many times their entire lives to develop a style that feels, it feels a certain way. You look at it and you, you have a feeling from it. And so a lot of the times, um, you know, whatever the artist's style is, what we're kind of more looking for is that feeling that it gives us. And does the feeling of the style match the content of what they're doing? Um, you know, are are they able to to visually communicate really abstract concepts in, in a really digestible way? And that's something that comes with a lot of skill, but it appears simple because they're breaking those complicated ideas down into so, small bits. So when you decide to work with a person. You sit down with them before they bring you the the comics, I assume, and, and you talk to them about what? Uh, style or, or concepts or, or sort of give me a rundown of mm. if, if I were a young illustrator, what would you, what would you talk to me about? Mm. Yeah, so most of the people we work with have published comics elsewhere, so they do have Uh, work samples that they already have. Uh, Some of them have written entire graphic novels or books or they have their own web comics. So they're bringing an extensive body of work already. And what we do is we come to them and we say, okay, well, this is our process. Um, You know, go ahead and pitch us. Bring us drafts. We'll help you fine-tune it. We'll help you um, get all the details right, make sure that you're communicating yourself well. Uh, I'm actually a 
reporter, a written reporter by training in addition to being a comic artist. So um, my skill set combines that, you know, text editing, copy editing, in addition to being able to edit their sketches um, and fine tune it in that way. Um, and most of it is done over email, which is quite quite boring, not that interesting. <laughs> you'll, you'll notice, too, that Hannah just slipped in that she's also a comic artist. I, I noticed <laughs> So, <laughs> which brings, like, a whole level. Like, I feel so lucky that I get to work with somebody who has been on the other side of that process, and that's been, like, really crucial. And, like, I just made this up. Like, I, I had this idea, and I didn't know how to hire comic artists, and so a lot of, it's been a lot of trial and error for five years of working with different comic artists, and then to have Hannah on the team, who's like a bona fide comic artist, um, to be able to go through that process and fine-tune it with her, like somebody who's been on the other side of it has been awesome. When you went from the Arizona Republic to the Washington Post, did you already have this idea in mind? Did they hire you to do this, oh, or no. did they hire you to do something else, <laughs> and you all of a sudden yes. emerged? <laughs> They've hired us to do all sorts of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Not this. Yeah, yeah. We we both do so many things that aren't just related to comics. Uh, about five years ago, so we worked on a publication called The Lily, um, and it was a vertical like from the Washington Post. And this was started as a big experiment five years ago to see if we could reach. Um, a, an audience that the Washington Post wasn't currently reaching. And it was like basically like young millennial women. And so that was how we launched. And I had this idea. I had always loved comics um, and reading them. I fell in love with the funny section, like Hannah mentioned earlier, um, and reading Archie comics and Calvin and Hobbes and all the stuff. And so I had this idea with using the Instagram carousel. It would be like the perfect medium to read comics in. So that was kind of the idea that I had about five years ago and was able to convince my boss to let me try it. So we found a couple of artists um, to tell their stories. And we did like a very short experiment of like four comics each over the course of a month. And after that, we kind of analyzed it to be like, was this working? Was this not? Was this resonating with our audience? And it was. And so ever since then, we've been kind of iterating and evolving that idea. Um, now the Lily has now transitioned to be part of the Washington Post. So our experiment was successful, quote unquote, that we are able to now um, fold in all the coverage that the Lily was doing into like the Washington Post. Like that is now like a, a great part of the Washington Post journalism. And so now we have this opportunity where a lot of other sections at the Post are seeing our comic storytelling and wanting to do it too. So that's probably the most exciting thing that we have like you know, on the horizon that like, who knows what could happen with this because everybody else is now seeing all the great comic storytelling we've been doing for five years, but they're seeing it in a way they're like, oh, we could do this too. So now I know this is probably old school and it's um, overgeneralization. Okay. But over my career, I've often run into brilliant photographers and people who are visual, who can't write a lick. And I've seen the opposite. Do you find people who are the illustrators, or the, the, the comic uh, storytellers that you find also have the gift of the written storytelling? Or do you have to help with that? Are, are they merging now to, as one? Uh, as opposed to being separate? Yeah, that's what makes comic <laughs> storytelling such a brilliant medium. Rachel likes to say that it's the perfect merger of 
uh, you know, graphic storytelling and written storytelling. Mm-hmm. And so these are comic artists who've already fine-tuned their craft. They've already had to write extensively alongside their illustrations. And that's how I feel about my own comic storytelling. Whenever I've reported stories, uh, whenever I've written my entire life, I've always had an urge to illustrate alongside it. And it doesn't feel complete if I'm not doing them together. I I do very often, um, but I feel like I'm expressing myself the best when I can do it together. And I think people who are drawn to comic storytelling very often feel that way too. It it feels like an instinct and urge for them. Um, you know, and we I, I have to copy edit for, for grammar and style and things like this. Sure, but for, sure. for the most part, um, yeah, the, these are people who have really fine-tuned what it means to uh, use words and illustrations alongside one another to enhance each other. So let me ask either one of you about journalistic structure. Uh, the news story has has a lead and, and uh, it builds from there. Uh, is comic storytelling the same uh, structure as a written story alone or is it different? I would say it's very similar. Um, and maybe this maybe it's actually more similar than I thought because they have to tell the story in ten panels or less. Right. Um, and I'm sure a lot of writers like, are like, "Oh, you, I have to do you, this in 800 words or yeah, less." You got so, 600 words. Yeah. So it's <laughs> it's actually challenging. I think a lot. Like a lot of our job is kind of reeling people in and and really getting down to like the sentence that describes this and like the image, like the illustration and the text working so well together that they can tell some of the story in the image and not have it be written out. So that's what I where I think the beauty of it is. It's like visual poetry where they just work so seamlessly together that you don't have to say all the words. Um, and that's like really like a magic spot that we get to magically really every week where um, we're having to really get down to like what is almost not like the least amount of text, but how do you say this in like the most succinct way that will hit the hardest um, so uh, not that it's more challenging than written journalism, but it presents its own challenges that I, I think makes it like extra special. Help me understand transitions because transitions are important in writing to, to go from one subject to another or to go deeper. Um, transitions appear visually as well? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they do. Um I mean, would I notice them as a lay person reading it, or, or I, is it seamless? Well, when transitions are good, they're seamless. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. True, <laughs> true, true. So I agree. You them. shouldn't notice them when they're happening. Yeah, I agree. you shouldn't notice them. Um, now, since we cover gender and identity, um, we're covering like a more of a spectrum and not just women. Um, we hire a lot of non-binary trans comic artists, so we hope to – um, be more inclusive and tell people's stories um, in a way that really isn't being done um, in the way exact way that we're doing it at the Washington Post. So I would say our target audience is definitely like young young millennials. Yeah, um, com- this kind of comic storytelling, the kind of uh, you know web comics, uh, zine comics, or yeah. sort of a thing that came out of the '90s. Um, really evolved as kind of underground art scenes and a lot of the times in marginalized communities, a lot of women, a lot of people of color, a lot of queer people. And so inherently, uh, the community that this art speaks to and is made by 
are people who are underrepresented in traditional um, legacy journalism. And so, um, you know, we find that we have response to our comic artists from, you know, all, all ages, all genders, um, and that's kind of the beauty of it. You know, it speaks to oftentimes uh, the post-core lifetime readers a lot of the time, or it challenges them maybe in some ways, um, but it also opens yeah, up. Yeah, I, I, I have this vision of old stuff. <laughs> Saying, white, what is this? Why is this men, here? You know? <laughs> yeah, and I, which I think is a good thing, you know, sort of uh, refocusing what you think the post is and saying, oh, like this – this opens up this legacy media institution to people who uh, have historically been sidelined from legacy media. Who's your competition? <laughs> and and it, do you have competition out there? We or do. Are you plowing, yeah. Yeah, we plowing do. such new ground that, <laughs> that you have none? No, we definitely have competition. I would say over the past five years since I've been doing it, I have seen more and more media organizations or publications doing comics. I mean, The New Yorker is what most people think of. They've been doing um, the one-panel cartoons since 1925 when The New Yorker started. So they are definitely tried and true, have been doing it. They're like the experts. Um, but we've been seeing it NPR, um, The Times, um, I mean, basically any publication you can think of. I mean, we were just a comic artist we're working with right now. She just got something published in Harvard Business Review, wow. Bloomberg, um, ProPublica. ProPublica. Yeah, yeah, like I just across the board. Then. Yeah, across really, the spectrum. Yeah, you definitely have to look for it for sure. And but I, I'm hoping that the more we're all doing this, the more I don't like people are just getting used to seeing it as like a form. The but. the New Yorker one panel since 1925 yeah. uh, has always been an, an amazing <laughs> vehicle for storytelling. Mm -hmm. But I have to confess, I still look at some of them and go, "What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what am I missing here?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's even harder. You have to come convey an entire idea in one panel, one sentence. So I feel like that's even more difficult than the 10 panels. So you got uh, your degree uh, uh, here at Ohio University in, in Viscom in graphic design – or excuse me, graphic and publication design, informational graphics. Yep. Uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about the similarity and differences between informational graphics Mm -hmm. and comic storytelling. Yeah. Uh, are they similar, different, and if so, how? Definitely similar. Yeah, my, my major was informational graphics and publication design, definitely a mouthful. Um, yeah. And I really fell in love with alternative story formats in school. I took a page design class, an informational graphics class, and really loved – figuring out the best way to organize information in a way that was digestible to the reader. And it's funny now that I'm – it's so obvious to me that, of course, I'm into comic storytelling. And, of course, that was something I wanted to do. I didn't know it at the time, but I'm doing the same exact thing but with people's stories um, and doing it in a way that maybe I didn't learn in school. But I have the foundation of how to think about stories like that and how to break them down and make sure we're conveying like the information in the simplest, most direct way that like really hits. And that's exactly what I'm doing for my job every day. So directly applicable. Um, shout out to Viscom for really preparing me for my job. <laughs> we'll be back after this message. 
The Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University seeks to not only educate its students about today's communication industry, but to produce innovative leaders who will shape the future of communication and its methods of delivery in a rapidly changing technological landscape. Scripps provides leadership in communication by preparing students to be effective and responsible communicators in a global society and by advancing the field through creative activity and research. The Scripps College of Communication fosters multicultural awareness within a diverse community. It strives to create a climate of civility where leadership and innovation are prized and responsibility and accountability are understood. The college values curriculum, research, and creative activity that provide benefits to people regionally, nationally, and globally. Learn more at ohio.edu slash Scripps College. You're, you're telling uh, comic stories or, or visual stories in 10 panels. Uh, informational graphics, you're often, often translating data mm-hmm. in one uh, image. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Can you convey, let me rephrase this, what I hear you saying in the in the comic storytelling is so far you're telling autobiographical and mm-hmm. personal stories. Mm-hmm. Can you use that same format to convey data? Yes. Yes. So that's something I'm really interested in, especially as a reporter myself. Uh, we haven't done this so much on our team, uh, though other teams across the post have. And uh, I would say NPR is really this, the folks we look to the most to say, um, you know, who are really condensing uh, reporting in this format. Um, Malika Garib is a science editor at NPR, right. who I say very often. Uh, they have done a lot of reporting on the pandemic and presenting it in comic forms. Early on in the pandemic, they uh, had a comic that was directed to kids in particular explaining um, COVID protocols, safety, health things, washing your hands. And they've also done ones directed to caregivers, how to speak to younger kids about the pandemic. Um, You know, it's, it's this sort of uh, it's it's people focused. So Malika in her comics will often draw the experts that she's speaking to, uh, and then visually represent the data. So it does kind of intersect with infographics in that way. You're trying to um, condense it, but maybe there's a playful element. Maybe you know there's speech bubbles coming from the scientist you're speaking to. Those sort of things, and that's something that I'm interested in mm-hmm. exploring more. I've only done it a couple times, but it's mm-hmm. it's definitely definitely possible. Is there uh, any combination between comic storytelling and animation? And you you talked about the slide carousel, which mm-hmm. is 10, 10 frames. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not animation, but it's mm-hmm. it's moving forward. You don't see the whole mm-hmm. at 
once. Mm -hmm. Is this something that's being explored as well? That is something that's being explored. Um, And actually last year, a 20-page comic book was produced by the Washington Post um, for Noah Lyles. He is a Olympic runner and he was competing in Tokyo and his favorite form of like media was manga. So we uh, I wasn't on the team that produced it, but I like very much admire everybody who worked on it. And they created this like beautiful web presentation of the comic that was animated. So as you're scrolling down, the pains are coming in and like the the speech bubbles are coming out of whoever's talking and it's like a very like seamless animated comic. And seeing that and like revisiting it um, yesterday with Hannah, I was like, this is more stuff that like we want to do. I did, I was able to help produce um, a comic, like an animated comic last year for the travel section I also work on called By the Way. And um, there was a photographer and their partner who was a comic artist quarantined in Beijing at the very beginning of the pandemic for two weeks. And so they documented both of their experiences through photography and then through comics. And then we paired them together. Um, And so that includes some animation as well. So as you're scrolling through, you're seeing like a comic illustrated like version of the hotel room and like him moving around in it. And so there's definitely room for it. We haven't like delved into it too much, but after preparing to talk at the symposium and everything, like we're feeling very like hyped on, on wanting to like push this medium as far as we can basically at the post. So I definitely anticipate more (laughs) animated comics for sure. That's costlier and more time consuming, is it not? Um, yeah, yeah, because it's more work for sure. Um, I would definitely say more time consuming. So we definitely have to be careful about how we decide to approach it and which stories get that kind of treatment. Um, right now are the autobiographical comics we publish. We do one per week um, on Sundays. And um, that's because of the sun- the Sunday comics that we're all familiar with. So that I can I, that will continue to be a thing that we will always do. Um, but we're starting to explore like more reported out opportunities um, and, other ways of telling stories that are a little bit more um, in depth. As a journalist at at your core, uh, when you see a story and say, "Okay, this is a story," and and I want to start sourcing it and I want to dig into it, do you do that in words in your head, or do you do it in pictures in your head? Or, or both. I, I do I do it in words. But but thinking, oh, this could be a great lead. Oh, I need this kind of quote uh, for for this part. But do you look at things differently? Um I feel like in my head until my hand touches a piece of paper, it just it just feels like a jumble in my head. And until I start, you know, kind of sketching it out, it, it doesn't feel real to me. So I would say yes, no, and also neither. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's break those down a little bit. <laughs> What's the yes? You see them both ways? Yeah. So, you know, I'm interviewing someone and they say something and, um, you know, it moves me and I know that's my lead or I know that that's a quote I need to, it, to have as my kicker. It just comes out with starburst, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you know, when you're sitting with all of that, um, you know, some some journalists have their process, some people outline, some people, uh, you know, organize their transcript in certain ways. Um, I usually have to sketch it out on on paper and it doesn't feel 
like it's coming together for me until then. You're working with started with gender and identity and mm -hmm. and working with with those topics and as we said autobiographical things. Uh, you said that other parts of the post want to grab on and, and hold on uh, to to your concepts. Will this mean greatly expanding staff? Will it mean leaving the gender identity aside or not putting as much emphasis on that and turning your attention to other things? I think it will really just be like almost us like consulting a little bit more across the newsroom. Like I think Hannah's had people reach out to her and be like, I, I really loved that comic that you guys posted. How how could I go about that on my on my team? So I really see it as just having more conversations with other people at the post um, and being more open about how to how to go about this because I do think it it feels not like unapproachable, but if you've never considered this or worked with somebody who does illustrations and text together, um, there is like a little bit of a learning curve. So I see it as us almost like teaching more and more people about it. Like we don't want to gatekeep how to do comics and comic editing and like we just want it to be more accessible to everybody. So I'm thrilled that more people at the post want to do it and I would be happy to help in any way that I can. So it's more of a thing that where I feel like other desks will start to adopt this as like a, a method or like a format. And bring for on their own team. Yeah, or just like in incorporating it into their current storytelling. I don't see um, – I don't see that. I mean, that would be great. <laughs> yeah, I like let's make a let's make a comics team and have Hannah and I lead it. Um, we'll speak that into the universe there on the radio, go. and it, it, can go. Go. it can you go. It can go. Yeah, we're you speaking it. it into the universe, you so maybe it. it will eventually happen. But I really see in the in the meantime, us like we've even talked about like trying to give this presentation at work and like um, getting more people just like excited about the idea and wanting to incorporate this kind of storytelling into their current sections. Something else that we're finding is, you know, the Post is such a big institution that has expanded so much during the pandemic. And so we find things that other teams are working on oh, yeah. all the time. <laughs> um, the, you know, the comic book about Noah Lyles came out and we were both just like, this is so cool. And yeah. so I think one of our biggest goals is to connect all of those ideas together, um, you know, connect with other people who are already working towards similar forms mm -hmm. of graphic storytelling mm -hmm. and, you know, all working together, combining yeah. forces. Because we are not the only people the post yeah. who are doing this by yeah, any means, but we're, yeah, we're such a large institution. Like there's a, like a graphics columnist um, in our Outlook opinion section. And like, I didn't even know about him until <laughs> like a couple of months we're ago. Like finding and out about our we're, Yeah, we're finding out about our coworkers, <laughs> but I just think it's exciting because we, there's a lot, and just affirms that this instinct I had five years ago was like a good one mm -hmm. because a lot of us are already trying to do that at the same place. So it's like, can we all just get together and share our tips and tricks and like maybe um, help everybody else learn how to do it too. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of coworkers and I agree. It's probably because, you know, we've expanded so quickly and in the pandemic, like the comic book came out last year. Like mm -hmm. I didn't even know it was being produced at the time. So do they have you closeted away <laughs> in some corner of the post newsroom or? Well, I do think because the Lily had started as this experimental like project um, that we weren't, we just weren't getting to talk to 
the rest of the newsroom in a way like we just weren't incorporated to the rest of the newsroom. And that was done on purpose so that we could kind of operate. Concentrate. Yeah. Concentrate in this incubator and like not take um, what the newsroom is currently doing, like develop our own way of storytelling and our and a way to approach the audience that was new because that was our whole goal was to see if we could reach new audiences. Um, and now that we have done that, we're hoping to bring those audiences to the Washington Post. I don't know how to phrase this question, so, so bear with me. Mm-hmm. Um, what you are doing and the illustrators that you're working with all have emotional stories. Uh, whether it's uh, about their life or their struggles or, or mental health issues, they're all emotionally based. Emotion comes through with illustrations. Um, not all stories are emotionally based. Some of them are just straight, dry, fat, boring mm-hmm. crap, <laughs> right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can that story be a, a put into a comic format or does there always have to be some emotion involved to make it good? Well, I would say that's where – so all the comics we do, we've said, are autobiographical, most of the comics, like 90 percent of them. And those are perspective pieces and you read those. You know, you can read those all the time written word as well um, about people's experiences, their emotions. So that's really what we're doing for the, for the most part. But yeah, as Hannah said, she's super interested and so am I in um, reported out comics. So I just – that's like a different type of comic that we are trying to explore. But yeah, I would say for the most part, I mean we're doing autobiographical comics and that's telling somebody's story. So they're telling it from their own perspective. So it definitely is emotion-based so, so yeah, Hannah, if you look at, at that story that you're you're looking for, uh, do you use the illustration to buttress the main event, which is the the text, or do you incorporate or vice versa? Yeah, how how, do, how does that work in your mind, or does it change per story? Mm-hmm. Um, I I think so. A lot of rep- Reported, uh, you know, serial yeah. comic pieces uh, are explainers, um, you know, service yeah. journalism that helps people understand things, or it can be a way of presenting the narrative arc, um, showing what has happened to someone. And so um, a lot of times that is what holds up the comic. Um, I'm thinking of. Oh, I wish I could remember the comic artist who did it. ProPublica had a really great uh, um, explainer for one of their investigative stories. Mm-hmm. Um, Bloomberg City Lab has done, you know, a, a long scroll that is, you know, not so much a serial comic, but um, a really long uh, graphic explainer on um, how what was that one? How gentrification happens? Is that I think the so? One? Yeah, they'll do um, a graphic version of a reported out story. So they'll take a reported out story and then later, later convert, convert it, it into it, it I which I think is super interesting. And I believe that's the one where the series is called Comic Con. And oh, they, that's Grist. Yeah, that's oh, that's Grist. Grist. Okay, does, so there's a lot of people. They do climate reporting. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. Um, so there's a lot of people doing. Yeah, this, yeah. And exploring, you know, just like you would have, um, you know, maybe you would have. Uh, 
you know, a longer explainer or um, an in-depth investigation or a profile or, you know, all, all of the different genres that written journalism has, there are different ways and methods and processes for converting that into, you know, serial panels. We're told in video, in any video that we post, that, you know, we have eight to ten seconds to, to grab people or they're gone. Uh, how does that convert to comic storytelling? Well, I or mean, does it? <laughs> oh, I've never thought. I actually, I didn't know that 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 rule. Um, but I would say it's very similar. Um, I mean, you don't grab them that first panel. You. I mean, it has to. Yeah, yeah. we we've done a lot do. of work, especially with the first panel. I mean, you have to get right to the point. You have to set people up so that they want to continue scrolling. I mean, a lot of we can't wait until panel six or seven to get somebody into a story. We want them to go all the way through all 10 um, and be able to consume it like right there. So yeah, I would say that first panel is really <laughs> important. Um, and we, we, we do work with them a lot on like what the visual is on that story. Like we have found that if they're telling their own story, like having themselves on that first panel is a lot more grabby than it just being like mainly text focused or, or something else that's just not as relatable. Um, yeah, we do a lot of work on that first panel. And my title has more to do with uh, social and engagement editing than reporting itself. So, so you, you I, know have to, <laughs> I have to think a lot about how to make people look at our social media posts longer anyway. And what is so unique and so rare about comics is you are giving people a lot of information. And, uh, you know, with platforms like Instagram and Twitter, there's this kind of crisis of getting people to look at stuff longer. They like want mm -hmm. you to be on the app. So if things are, uh, you know, you just scroll away, they're not getting their right. ad money. And so their algorithms incentivize posts that uh, make you want to look at it longer. And comic storytelling is so immediate. It's so different from so many of the things that you're seeing on your feed. Um, it's so vulnerable and visceral and um, accessible. And so if you're seeing that on your feed and it's new to you or maybe you're familiar with it and you're just enraptured by the story that's beginning to be told and you spend more time with it, that's a rare thing that doesn't happen a lot on Instagram, uh, that yeah. people are, you know, really spending time with the story on that platform without having to go anywhere else. Um, and that's, you know, one of the rare things is you know, when you're confronted with that in your social media feed, you're confronted with a moment of meeting, meaning and revelation um, that is very rare, what I feel, when I'm, when I'm mm -hmm. scrolling my Instagram. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like most things are, you know, feel meaningful and human to me. Yeah, I don't want to look at somebody's dinner again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. Ever. Uh, What's new on the technological front that will advance what you're doing? Because mm. this is always a marriage. Mm -hmm. Anytime you're in illustration or anything visual, it's a marriage mm -hmm. between the technical and the, mm. and the storytelling. Well, Hannah and I were going through some old comics that we've published in the past and noticing some of them being hand-drawn versus drawn on like the iPad, which is what she does. And I think that in itself has made – this process a lot easier for artists. Um, 
I'm not sure if that's like exactly what you're getting at, but yeah. um, <laughs> being able for them to create digitally and make edits digitally and not have to draw everything and then scan it in and then color it and ink it, like that process has, I mean, you can speak more to it because you actually do it, but to me it feels like much easier for the editing process, um, much quicker, saves you time. Yeah. Um, well, drawing tablets uh, used to be a wild expense. My entire drawing life, I was never able to afford a tablet. Right. Um, you know, you need the tablet, you need a monitor, you need to afford Adobe Suite, uh, maybe, to draw in Photoshop and Illustrator. Um, so the first time I got an iPad and was, you know, could have an Apple Pencil, it was a thousand dollars cheaper than a lot of the comparable like Wacom tablets and uh, it completely changed how I drew and it opened up a world of possibility to me where I could now be in uh, communication with digital illustrators for the first time. It's um, opened up the technology to a lot of artists who otherwise just literally would not be able to afford um, expensive illustration equipment and so we're finding that a lot, you know, a lot of our illustrators do use, uh, you know, tablets that what you kind of think of when you think of animators or uh, digital artists. Right. But a lot of our newer, younger illustrators uh, do use iPads the way that I do. So what's next? What can we look for next coming on the horizon for this form of journalism? Oh, shoot. I was like at the post or comic storytelling <laughs> as a what, whole? What, uh, <laughs> yeah. Either one. Either one. You choose. Well, at the post is what I can mostly speak to, and that's that, well, we're going back into the office now, so we're going back hybrid, so I think that fares well for us and being able to have some of these in-person conversations with other people who are pushing forward, like comic storytelling in the newsroom. I'm very excited to do more of that, have more conversations about that and see how we can influence or, you know, help other sections start to think about using that method of storytelling. So that's what I'm most hopeful about and very excited. Um, we also have a lot of control over the experimenting that we do on gender and identity. So we have talked a lot about, you know, trying out the reported out comics and just like trying new things and seeing um, what really resonates with people. So that's definitely at the post as far as like the comics world. <laughs> I'm not sure. Do you have any thoughts, Anna? Yeah, I do. Um, I I know that <laughs> legacy media is trying to figure out how to get young people right. to read their work. Right. It is the the crisis of it is. of mm -hmm. media. Um, and comic storytelling is something that is so accessible to young people, and not only accessible but exciting to young people. And it's a thing where, you know, I I was a fan of the Lily's comics before I worked there. And I felt like I was being spoken to. Um, I felt like it was made for me. And that is something that most people don't get if they're just looking at the post homepage and they're a 17-year-old. Um, you know, it doesn't feel like this is for me. But looking at you know, the Washington Post has taken the time to create a, a comic about this thing. That feels that feels new and exciting. Um, and I think as, uh, you know, media outlets continue to, to innovate just, you know, from a strictly craft standpoint, figure out new, new and interesting ways to tell stories, but also from like the less 
you know, kind of buzzy right. business standpoint as they're trying to figure out how to get young people to, to read their stuff and care about it. Um, I think graphic storytelling is a major player. I just wanted to thank both of you. Yeah. Uh, Hannah, Rachel, it, it, it's been a fun conversation. I've learned a lot, and I'm sure our listeners will as well. Awesome. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank, thank you, you for, for your great us. questions. Today we've been talking to Hannah Good and Rachel Orr of The Washington Post about comic storytelling and journalism. Spectrum is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our co-producer. I'm your host, Tom Hudson. Please subscribe to Spectrum. You can do that at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or at NPR One. Spectrum also is available through the NPR Podcast Directory. We always welcome your feedback, so please rate our podcast or review it through any one of your favorite podcast outlets. If you have questions or comments about our podcast or have suggested topics for us to cover, please direct them to me by email. You can do that at hodson at ohio.edu. That's hodson, H-O-D-S-O-N, at ohio.edu. Have a good day, everyone.